idea. Maybe we need to think about this differently because maybe it's weird to talk about ourselves like this. Like, yeah. I was blah, 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 blah. Maybe yeah. we, should, we need to find something. What triggered, you know, the work we do? Anytime you think you're in trouble, have a hard time. So we talk about experience. How did you get here? talk to you and share many conversation with the world now it's very exciting isn't it we've been talking about making a podcast for so long wait <laughs> my phone is full of water wait 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 i'm jana Morashlegil. and i'm laura empana and this is not loud enough a podcast where we, two very good friends, talk about feminism, migration, and culture in our daily lives. Last week I was uh, at the University of East Anglia giving a workshop about comics and translation. You know, it's one of the things I love doing. Uh, I'm a comics fan, reader, uh, translator of comics, uh, Anyway, and in this at university, I was talking about the process of translation. And one student asked me a question, who gets to decide your translation is right? And this made me think, like, I'm like, nobody, because it's you. It's you are the one who decides if your translation is right. It's right. My whole talk, my, the whole workshop was run around the idea that you translate with your own biography. And this is something I had heard at another event from uh, another translator, uh, Eileen Schulman, she translates from French to Spanish. And she said, on traduit avec sa biographie. This means you translate with your biography. And it, this made me think about, of course, everything I do. And I think it's closely linked to all the other things we do. It shapes the way I translate my own biography, the way I look at the world. It's the way I feel about things. I feel about issues around social justice, women's rights, uh, migrants, refugees, and many different things we both, you and I, both care about deeply. And I think that really shapes the way we, we look at everything and the way we act in the world. How is our experience shaping the way we work? Why is it important? Why does it matter? Yeah, I mean, I resonate uh, a lot with what you say, because uh, in my case, uh, it is true the the experiences, I, I decided to, to transform the experiences that I have into something positive and into something that um, I can um, develop together with other people as well. So not, not alone necessarily. And um, my experiences um, as a Romanian migrant woman in Europe in the last 10 years, um, where I lived and worked in different uh, places, uh, in different countries and cities in Europe, led me to some uh, 
migration issues, for example, at the time when I started, they were not talked about in public space. The the road to create an organization was quite uh, an extraordinary one, if you want, without uh, me being uh, lacking of modesty. But um, <laughs> when you think that... I started to share my own experiences as a Romanian migrant woman in Europe um, in a blog called Migration Lab. And that that blog migrated from a blog to a project and to a, to an organization, what it is today in the last, uh, in a span of only three years. You have founded uh, an, an organization, which is something huge, actually, when you think about it. It is actually uh, quite remarkable even for me so sometimes even i don't believe that uh, i i I managed to do all this in in such a short uh, period of time but i think that it's so important to reflect on our experiences and to reflect on what do we do with what we live and especially because today we are facing so many challenges on the social political economical part and you create a space where people with completely different views maybe could get together, right? Right. It's it's what I've been trying to do since uh, since uh, three years. I started online, creating a, a platform online for these uh, different conversations and different perspectives on how we live our diversity. But soon I I felt the the need to to bring all these conversations in a in a public space, and this is how I developed this concept of uh, of a public living room, of a migration welcome to the living room. Um, and nowadays I co-create these these uh, spaces of encounter together with communities, together with migrants, with refugees, and locals in the cities where I am or in the neighborhoods that that I am. It's a total participatory process, and this allows also to shape these spaces of encounter because I think it's very important to to invite these perspectives at the table and we cannot anymore talk about solutions uh, for particular groups of people uh, without inviting the people to be co-creators of these solutions and not be regarded anymore as a problem but allow them to 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 come up with their ideas and creativity and first of all needs and feelings um, to, to shape a solution for a local problem that they have. I'm acting as a link between organizations and their communities or stakeholders and help them work together also in finding a solution to a local problem or developing a, a particular project. So it's much more of a kind of a dis- design thinking process and participatory uh, process. Can you give an example of uh, one local problem that comes to mind? Something you discussed recently, something concrete just to help people understand. Something that happened recently, for example, um, during a a co-design workshop, Living Room, Migration Lab Living Room, uh, that took place in in The Hague two weeks ago. Um, We were talking about how to diversify our own professional surroundings. Because diversity is all around us in in public space, but it's not so present in our professional contexts. And uh, diversity meaning inclusion. Sometimes it can be present in in particular professional contexts, but uh, this doesn't necessarily mean that uh, inclusion happens at the same time. At this uh, particular event, 
we work together with uh, professionals, with students, policymakers, and also local organizations, uh, trying to come up with some concrete steps about how each of us can um, uh, can enhance diversity in their own professional surroundings from 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 each of from our position. I imagine you talked about, for instance, having quotas and that people respond usually very negatively to, especially people who are already very privileged, who, are, who don't have that issue, usually would say, no quotas, you know, and then you're like, mm, well, maybe we have to consider this. Maybe there's a problem with your institution if you don't have enough people coming from different backgrounds in your school or in your organization. Maybe mm -hmm. we should look at that. Why is that happening? And when you try mm -hmm. to face them with the issue, it's like, but we're not going to solve this with quotas, you know? And, and then you're like, yeah, maybe yes. Maybe we need first that. And then maybe one day we'll live in a world where we won't need quotas anymore, but we're not yeah. there yet. But that's true. We need to start from somewhere. And uh, this subject of quotas uh, generated quite, quite a debate between participants. It was a very interesting uh, debate. And I think I, I totally agree. We, we need to start from, from somewhere. Um, we need to open the conversation, first of all, about uh, why there is not enough diversity in our professional surrounding. Uh, what are the causes for that? And I think we need to invite at the table also the business sector, the private sector, the public sector, all range of organizations, institutions, activists, uh, as, we, as I said, students um, who are the, the future employees, so to say, or the future Uh, business owners or people, yeah. Anytime you think you have trouble, having hard times, having, having hard times. As as with regards to the to the work with with communities um, where we co-create a uh, migration lab uh, public living room there the topics in this uh, space are uh, shaped by by the discussions and the ideas and the needs of the participants in the co-design workshop prior each event there people express their ideas about what they would like to talk about um what 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 topic it's it's very present uh, it's very uh Yeah, pres present. Urgent, maybe. Urgent, Urgent. for them. Yeah. Present. Uh, yeah, see, we have, that's our multilingual minds, right? I, I do that right. a lot. Like, I think in French, I say a word. Yeah, it's, it's like, how many languages are in your mind, Laura? I don't know. Uh, sometimes like four or, four or five, three, <laughs> four or five languages yes. a day, like the same as, as you. Yes, I, mean. I know. Like sometimes I start my sentences in a language, I finish them in another. But that's typical in my family. I, I don't know about yours, but in my family, we it's, it's like normal. Like we are multilingual children of... Uh, Yeah, multilingual parents. So it's, it's it, again, you know, it shapes the way we see the world, I think. Coming back so, to the experience that led you to, to Migration Lab, I personally also care a lot about diversity and inclusion in our societies and in the different industries. I, I work a lot in the arts and culture and literature publishing industries, and we still have lots of issues. And you would think that in the arts, culture, We are more open-minded and it's true, maybe, I don't know, I, I don't want to say this because I don't know all the industries in the world well enough to say we are the best. It's, it's not true, I can never say that. But 
I do know that the people I work with usually would care about uh, all these things we just talked about. But when it comes to action, it's different. Uh, and usually, from my own experience, people who have themselves experienced as migrants, like you, you and I, for instance, or come from families uh, who are from different backgrounds, religious or ethnic, they always need to try harder, work harder to get their voice heard. It's also what happened to me all my life, you know, and, and I am one of the, privileged, the most privileged ones. When I grew up in Brussels, I myself come from a family of, of migrants. Both my parents are Turkish, we are also Muslim. These things totally shape the way you grew up, of course, and how you are seen by others. And having a name like mine that nobody is able to pronounce correctly, you know, I spent <laughs> all my life till now to, <laughs> to correct misspelling and mispronunciations of my name, which I'm used to now, but it, it does shape the, the, my own experience, does shape the way I act now. When I organize events, when I program cultural events, or when I edit books, I always, always make sure that different voices are heard. And I make an extra effort to have more women, more women of color, you know, into mm -hmm. the project. We need to reflect society in all the projects we do in the arts and culture. That's what I'm trying to say to them. And sometimes they don't understand, especially people who are mostly white and coming from very privileged backgrounds who don't understand why I'm, I have to make such an effort. And it's important for me to make sure that we have a Muslim woman on stage together with a black gay man, maybe. I don't know, you know, like all these different perspectives matter. Yeah. And they matter because we tell important stories. It's not just about ticking a box. It's really about showing that our societies are much more diverse than what we, we are shown through mainstream media, for instance. How, how, how can we make sure that our society is reflected? Yeah. And that's because of our own experience. It matters mostly to me because of my own personal experience. Maybe if I wasn't born in a Turkish Muslim family, maybe I would feel differently. I don't know. Or maybe I would care as much. This, I, that I have no idea. But I truly believe that what we experience does shape the way we act and what we do and what we choose to do. This aspect of choosing, it's, it's very important because you can have all these experiences and, and not do anything about it. But how do you get to choose to do something about it, to do something that can contribute to, to a certain conversation that can uh, help in, in shaping, I don't know, a better, a better environment. I would not say a better world. Sometimes it's, it's, it's a lot of pressure to start change the world. And uh, sometimes it's not even so easy to do that, but at least to change something in your own immediate environment local I, I believe very much in this first step starting as local as you can in your group in your street in your neighborhood and then of course through the connection that we have today the, with uh, with technology this can go globally as well this can be scaled and replicated somewhere else how did you choose Janan to 
use your experience and contribute to to a to a better society in the end with what you do to with your with your profession sometimes i wonder if if i chose it or if it was like i had to do it but i think of course it's a choice nobody forced me to do it but i have a feeling that inside of me it it wasn't like i have a choice to what else would i do that's my question you know what else would i do <laughs> you know when i started working in the cultural sector so i studied you know literature uh, in in brussels I did a semester in Canada, which that opened my my mind. Like I was, oh, we can also do things this way. You know, the Anglo-Saxon model versus the French <laughs> model of learning. That was a shock. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so my opinion matters, actually. I can come to class and, and, and give my opinion about a book? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that was first like an eye-opener for me. And that, that's when I like realize hmm, there are different ways of doing things in different places. So that was already one nice thing to learn and to, to know, actually, that you can do things differently. Because what mm -hmm. the way I grew up is like, especially if you wanted to do to work in the arts or become an artist or a writer, it's, it's always like as if you were born like that and that's it so you you're born an artist you're born a writer so right. if you're not born one you cannot become one because there's some a myth about creativity that yeah. I, I grew up with around me from what i've seen and usually you know the literature the art i've seen the artists and the, they weren't people looking like me or coming from backgrounds like myself uh, they were mostly you know very white very french or very male very whatever and i could never recognize myself in these different figures and so i never thought i could one day become a writer or work in literature or do what i do today we need to 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 break and destroy actually is this idea that there's one way of doing things no there are millions of ways of doing different things based on the experiences of everybody <laughs> so the but that 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 took a lot of time for me to to break because when i started working after my studies i did an internship at a very prestigious uh, cultural institution in brussels and the only reason i know i got there because they were they were doing a turkish festival and they needed someone who could speak turkish so i think that's the only reason why i have ever thought to apply to such a place if they didn't need someone to work with turkey in turkish i would have never dared send my cv to that place because for me it was this super prestigious institution the heart of yeah unapproachable for someone like me you know that and i did get in thanks to the turkish link so I, I, I do think like, yes, sometimes you have to take these opportunities and you have to use that. Like, yeah, okay, they, they, they hired me because I was Turkish. Fine. I'm happy with that. You know, I, I had the expertise of the Turkish language. I'm going to use that. Perfect. And then I ended up staying there for four years, which is great Yeah. because I learned a lot. But I also faced lots of, uh, you know, daily, daily racism, not in your face it's never like we don't like turks we don't want muslims here get out it's not like that it's not blunt like that but it's mm -hmm. really like in daily conversations uh, very subtle very very subtle subtle ways of reminding you that you are not one of them and that yeah. that you learn a lot because you know it was questioning sometimes questioning also that 
I can't write in French because it's not my mother tongue and things like that. And you're like, hmm. At the time, I wasn't so... I wasn't that confident, you know. It, it can break someone to hear that you're not allowed to use such language to write or you cannot be part of this world because of your background. Who are you to dare write literature? Why do you add Turkish words in this text? It's not necessary. You know, like, this is not French. And those things at the time were hurtful. But then you build up on that. You build up on that. And you get better at what you do. And coming back to the idea that there's not only one way, you learn that, indeed, there's not only one way. And I believe that that's, what, that's why I care about, you know, being loud now more than ever is that the more voices we hear like this and you're like oh yeah true I can do that too you know so if somebody hears us now you know it's, oh this Romanian girl and this Turkish girl they one has founded her own foundation and the other one she's translating books and publishing and doing this and that yeah I, I can do it too then you know <laughs> why not and it's true it's true we that's that's more my message like the millions of experiences that they that can bring millions of ways of doing things and bringing positive things to this world. I wanted to support what you what you said as well about um, uh, not in a way not consciously making this choice but somehow um, uh, having it coming at you um, because I had the same experience with Migration Lab uh, before that I was uh, working in, in private sector for 10 years in, in PR and event management and marketing and um, having these experiences of, of, of being a migrant, something that um, before leaving Romania, I never thought of calling myself um, a migrant. I would not describe myself as a migrant. All these experiences, I don't know, just one day, uh, around three years ago, led me to, to, to talk about what did it mean to me uh, and uh, how, how it affected me being a migrant uh, originally from a country that is negatively perceived in, in Europe. So um, since then, everything kind of happened organically. And uh, I always say that Migration Lab uh, has always had its own life, so to say. Things developed from, from themselves somehow. But um, right from the beginning, I felt that I could not do something else. And today, even more, I have this feeling that um, I cannot uh, go back to where I, uh, where I used to, to what I used to do. Uh, but of course, all the experiences that, uh, experience, professional experience that I gained uh, in the private sector helps me uh, very much in what I do today. I think there is a, also a time when pieces come together and when uh, maybe there's also uh, a certain time when, when uh, things happen, you know. Maybe I couldn't do what I did uh, five years ago, but, but somehow everything happened 
developed in a way that I had to do it in a particular at a particular time. So maybe five years ago you wouldn't have done this, but you did it, you know, three yeah, years think, ago. Yeah, I think there's a there's a certain time and also a certain uh, a certain context in your life when when uh, you are much more. Uh, I wanted to say pushed, but you are not pushed. You're much more prone to start creating a, a change. And of course, in the beginning, uh, when I started the blog, I, as, as I said, I, I was just writing a blog. I didn't think on a long term uh, too much. And certainly I didn't think that I'm going to change the world with, with that blog. The first step was to generate a conversation um, among different uh, people with, with same experiences, uh, including locals in these um, conversations and and. Let's not forget this was before refugee, uh, the refugee influx, before the media exploded and and uh, calling everything that happens uh, a crisis, an invasion, and and so on. The problem is not these people, you know. It's 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 this, the way we we built this world and why these people are forced to leave their country. That's the issue, not <laughs> not the it's, people. It's 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 a problem in also in the way we react. All of us react, and I think um, this comes. Of course, it's 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 a complex issue. Why why we react? Um, why are we reluctant? Why we are absorbing these terms: crisis, invasion, uh, um, problematic people, and and so on. Um, and it's a discussion again. It's a very complex discussion that I think we are going to have as well at some point. Definitely. We're yeah. definitely going to focus on that yes. vocabulary, language. You know, language is, is our thing. Both of us, we love languages and I'm a professional translator. So I love, I'm fascinated by how language shapes uh, our daily lives and uh, the way we look at the world again. But this links back also to our experience again and the reason why we do what we do. And I think it's a nice way to maybe end this first episode. Well, it's it's never enough with us, but... <laughs> it's, and I it's think, never loud enough. <laughs> and it's never loud enough. It's never enough. But I think, uh, yeah, we are we're good to, to wrap up. <laughs> love to hear your feedback about this episode about topics you would love to hear in the future and how your own experiences relate to issues you deeply care about how these turn into actions um, yeah you have different ways to get in contact with us uh, one way is uh, on twitter at nle podcast um, on Facebook, of course, and also uh, if you feel like writing us a more um, elaborate message, you can use our email address, notloudenoughpodcast at gmail.com. We would love if you leave a review on iTunes. As you know, these reviews do help podcasters and we are new. Lorena, now it's our first episode, so we're very excited. So we're brand new and for it's the first time we're doing this. So please bear with us if you think the the sound is not always perfect or we're learning. We are learning and we hope to learn this together with you, sharing exactly. our stories with you. 
So do leave a review on iTunes if you can, if you feel like it. Thank you for listening and uh, looking forward to um, share with you our next episode. We hope you're going to be with us as well. Yes, thank you. And remember, we can never be loud enough about issues we care about.